Sixers lock all windows and doors. Jameer Lamar Nelson Sr., you won a state basketball title at Chester. You helped St. Joe's to a top ranking. They got to the Elite Eight in the tournament. You're the Hawks' all-time leader in points, assists, and steals. Voted College Player of the Year in 2004. 14 seasons in the NBA, 10 with the Orlando Magic. Last November, you were promoted from assistant GM to general manager of the Delaware Blue Coats, the 76ers G League affiliate. You're married, the father of a boy who plays. We'll talk about him. Three girls as well. Jamira, that's a lot for 41 years old. Did the time just fly by or what? Yeah, it's funny. My wife, my wife asked me yesterday. She was like, uh, what do you want for your birthday? Your birthday is next month. And I actually forgot. And then she was like, do you even know how old you're going to be? And I was like, uh, I had to think about it. So, yes, to answer your question, the time does fly. Um, just reading what people say actually about my son um, kind of tells that. Like They're like, look, I just remember watching Jameer Nelson Sr. play basketball and now I'm watching his son on ESPN with TCU. Um, and that makes everybody feel a little older and, and also know, like realize that the time is actually really fine. Well, you had him while you were in college, so we're going to talk about that. Um, but I just want to know, it, now in your 40s, have you transitioned to the old school guy? I am the old school guy. I, I go place. I go places that people say, what's up, old head, or what's up, old school? And I'm like, wait, I just stopped playing a few years ago. Uh, I still move pretty well. I'm in pretty good shape. And my kids are young enough for me, um, well, especially my youngest daughter. She's 11, so I'm... I'm it's weird. Like as my, my son, I was the youngest parent in whatever classroom he was in. Now I kind of caught up with my youngest. I'm kind of like on par with all the, all the parents there. Like everybody's kind of at the similar age range. So uh, when you're on the court, let's say, and you're uh, just putting your arm around a young guy, trying to communicate with him to make him better. Um, does he have an understanding of who you are and what it is that you did? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not that far removed. It's not like I'm 20 years removed from the NBA. Um and and I think we had such great years in Orlando um that that they're memorable. I think people remember obviously Dwight Howard and and the rest of the guys. Um but that that team was exciting. That team did some things that a lot of teams um I guess tried to do as a recent by playing small and um, the way the game is going, I think we were um, a little before our time with it, um, with, with playing Turk at the at the point at times and me off the ball and Richard at the four, like going small. So I think we were, um, you know, I, th I think actually the first team who did that, something similar was the Houston Rockets back in the day with Robert Ori at the four. Um, but now the way the game is going, I think we kind of took what the Houston Rockets did and Stan and the coaching staff kind of uh, – took it and ran with it and, and he did a, he did such a great job of coaching the guys that he had and not saying here this is my system 
um, go fit into it. He fit his system around us, which was um, kind of cool. Hey, you're talking about Hito Turkoglu and Rashard Lewis. I haven't mentioned their names in a while. Listen, the websites, the websites say you're six feet. You're like six feet like Allen Iverson is six feet. It's like <laughs> Hubie Brown. It's like Hubie Brown used to say, it's not how big you are, it's how big you play. And yes. obviously you had your share of doubters coming up. How did you take the doubt and turn it into inspiration? You know, to to say that um I didn't hear the doubters or naysayers, um, I would be lying, but I can actually honestly tell you, it didn't bother me. Um, I tell people I've, I've been this size my entire life. I've been, um, overcoming things and the underdog my entire life. So, um, I'm obviously I, I made it to the league and played and had a pretty successful or, you know, obviously good career. Um, the, the odds were stacked against me, you know, coming from Chester, like going to a small school like St. Joe's, um, my size, any, anything you want to put out there. But I think uh, my determination, my work ethic and my heart um, and my love for the game, I think, over helped help me overcome all of those things. And, and, and you know, we're in, we're in a situation or in, in a world now where everything is uh, about size and athleticism and about the things, the makeup of a player. And all those things are, are true. Uh, but I think you have to also measure the player's heart and, and his will to play the game and, and passion for the game, too. How do you measure that? Because you're a talent evaluator. Well, for me, you have to you have to dig into the intel. You dig into the intel. You trust your sources. Um, we obviously know the world is such a relationship-driven world um, when it comes to most things. So just being able to have real relationships with people and get the real info on certain guys, um, it helps out a lot. Take us back 30 years. You're coming up in Chester. Uh, what's family like for you? Family is it's, it's fun, man. Like my mom and dad separated when I was young, um, but they remain friends. Um, I, I mean, I, I can I never remember like my mom and dad, like not being friends. If my mom had a barbecue or my dad had a barbecue, the other was invited or like anything like so everybody got along. My, my step parents got along. Um, obviously had a, a really, really good supporting cast when it came to just my family in general, my, 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 uh, mom, dad, my step parents, my, my siblings, um, and my closest friends. And, and, you know, had a lot of people in my corner, um, from Chester, uh, basically entire city, uh, especially, especially growing up, like everybody was pulling for me and, um, it kind of put me, put me on track. It's like, okay, we're not going to let you get out of line. We're going to help you get through this. I mean, I had, had the pleasure of being coached by um, a Hall of Fame high school coach and Fred Pickett and also Larry Arbray, um, who, who came on my, my sophomore year as as a coach. Um, both has have both have passed um, Larry more recent than Fred, but um, I owe a lot to, to the city of Chester and the coaches that that, that helped me out and and my, my friends as well. So is it true that when you're growing up in, we'll call it a tough area, that when you show some athletic promise, the rest of the community kind of says, you know what, uh, we're not going to try to get him involved in drugs or gangs or any of that stuff. Or we're we're going to try to keep him going on that path and elevate him. Yeah. And, and I think for the person who's involved, like like you, you look at especially basketball, um, 
I don't know the percentage, but it's a high percentage of guys that come from the inner city. And the inner city usually has high crime and uh, a lot of drug activity involved in it. So um, I was fortunate enough to have, um, like I said, like not not a bubble around me, but a bunch of people who knew I had ability to make it to college. Nobody knew I was going to be a pro and be in the, in the spot I'm in now. But um, everybody saw the potential for me to be a the Division One basketball player, even before I saw it in myself. Um, so like, you know, I had, like I said, numerous amount of people, like keeping me out of trouble, helping me out. Um, and you know, starts with my parents and, and my, my siblings, like my, my older brother, he, um, he, he would walk me to practice and walk me from practice and, you know, do the things that he was supposed to do as an older brother. Um, and you know, he protected me. He did like, like as a 40 year old, 41 year old man. Now I'm like, this dude actually protected me from, um, things that I could have gotten into and, you know, went down the wrong, basically taking the wrong route. Are you a Sixers fan growing up? Absolutely. Charles Barkley was my favorite player. Like he is my favorite player ever. Um, Charles Barkley, Allen Iverson. And then, then for me, like it's, it's Kobe. Um, Cause he's from the area. And obviously we know the history between Laura Marion and, and Chester at arrival. Um, just me watching those guys close. I was able to see so many different moments in they, those guys' careers. Um, and if you think about it, all those guys, I think I gravitated to those guys because they were the underdogs. Um, all, all of them, well, the, the, the two Sixers, Barkley and Iverson were undersized, um, but they were just fierce and, and super competitors and, and the way they approached the game, the way their opponents, I don't know if they, they were feared, but I knew that the game plan surrounded those two guys uh, when they stepped on the floor. You're just, I think, starting college in 2001 when Allen takes the Sixers to the finals. How did you view that team then? Um, it was so real, man. Like I, I remember going to games and, um, I, I had gone to a bunch of games before prior, prior to that, um, that season, but going to games that season, it was different. Um, guys, you, like everybody in the crowd was high fiving and chest bumping. The energy was crazy. I'm not sure if I've seen anything, um, as a, as a fan or a player, anything like it. Um, I tell you one thing, the Philly fans, when, when you're, when you're doing good, they they are a hundred percent behind you. And most of them, even when you're not doing good, they're they're still there. Um, but I, I can just recall like seeing this dude take a team who um, are quote unquote overachievers to the finals, and and they they have some really good pieces. I mean, you you give you know the 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 management staff who put that team together credit and the coaching staff credit for getting the most out of the players that were on that team. Right. Uh, they surrounded Allen with the exact right team that he needed to allow him yes. to have the ball and do his thing, I think. Uh, credit to Larry Brown and Billy King. Remember yes. the first time you faced him on an NBA court, yeah. Allen Iverson? <laughs> I do. I do. Tell me about uh, it. So me and AI, we had become friends. Um, we, we, You know, just me looking up to him and him um, actually telling telling me about my game. I, I used to go to Sixers practice all the time and watch it. But once I became a pro, he knew I was surprised like guys like AI and Kobe knew about me. Um, but it's, you know, something unique about the, the player here that, it, you know, from our area. So my first game was back here in Philly 
um, when I was a rookie versus, you know, we were playing, I was on Orlando and AI had, I think the first five minutes he had like 18 points. I was coming up. I was on the bench. He had 18 points the first five minutes and the coach looks down and said, Jameer. And I was like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I'm about to go like, <laughs> so I like, it's crazy. Like I get, I get, to the scores table, standing ovation, and I got chills going through mm. my body because of it. Like standing ovation. I go on the game and I do my thing. I think he ended up with like maybe 28 or 30 for the half. Something like that. So I obviously I, I'm feeling good. Okay. He didn't give me, you know, a, a, a crazy amount of buckets. So now second half comes. I think he has another 18 points the first five minutes. Again, Jameer, come get you know, whoever was starting. So now fast forwarding to the end of the game, AI is rolling and he's talking to me. He's like, every time you reach, I'm going to go by you. And we were at the time, we weren't a good defensive team. Dwight wasn't who Dwight Howard was at the time. Um, and like the, the ignorant uh, uh, rookie I was, I kept reaching because the ball, <laughs> <laughs> the ball was right there. So, he ended up with 63 points, I think his career high. And and I was just like, it's nothing I can do but get better from this. Um, so I actually studied the film. I watched the tape. Um, and I was telling my, my coworker the other day, I, I, I my rookie year, I took I took notes like after games. I had a journal of who I played and what they did and how I could do better. And I think every game after that, I got better. I mean, you you, you got to get better after giving up 63, right? So I think it was games where I, I literally, like, stole the ball from them, you know, made it tough on them. And then what I realized was, as an offensive player, my best defense was put pressure on him while I had the ball. Mm, interesting. So Make yeah, him work. Just, make him work. Make, make him work a little bit. Put him yeah. in as many roles. Uh, let him – because I know what it feels like as a small guard to go through all these screens to get dinged up. Um, let him get hit with Dwight and Tony Petit and all these other guys who were setting screens on him. And hopefully that slows him down when he has the ball. Uh, I'm going to move on, but I have to say, you just talked about putting Allen in pick and roll. He banged into more big bodies, whether he was with the ball or on defense than anybody I yeah. think I've ever seen. But uh, I have to ask you, did it make sense that you would have success at a school like St. Joe's? It was small and assuming you had a character and a head coach in Phil Martelli. Could you have ever seen yourself at a place like Duke or Michigan or someplace like that? Well, to be honest with you, Mark, I think people look at me and like, well, he wasn't recruited high. And I actually was. I just decided that I didn't want to be recruited high. Hmm. I had an opportunity to um, be a top 15 player in the country and possibly be a McDonald's All-American if I would have attended, um, I think it was the five-star camp. And... They were like, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky, this school, this school wants to see you play. And I was like, no, um, I don't want to go to the camp. I had I had games in Chester, which was really important to me. So then they come to me at the end of the week, just come play in the All-Star game. These schools still want to see you. You'll, you'll still probably get your top 15 ranking and possibly McDonald's All-American. And it was just like, just go drive up and play in the game. And I had, a I had a championship game in Chester that day, and I was like, no, I'm going to play my championship game. So I don't think I could have seen myself play at, at those big schools. Um, mainly, I, I think the one thing is I wanted my family to be able to see me play, like, 
on a nightly basis. And and that was big for me. Like I'm, I was, and I am now, I'm still big on family. Um, the people that supported me, it, it would have been hard for them to fly to Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, um, the amount of times they've gotten to a St. Joe's game. I needed that support. I needed the people around me to continue to support me. I needed them to be there for me. Um, because at, at the time I was quote unquote, the pride of Chester and, and, you know, I wore Chester on my, on my, on my sleeve, basically, you know? Um, and I'm, and I'm still extremely proud of my city and, and the things that we've accomplished. I know we get a bad rep for, uh, you know, the negativity, the negative things that's going on, whether it's crime or drugs, but like, again, that's any inner city. You, you, you go to any state, any city, you make the wrong turn, you can find yourself in some trouble. And, and Chester has a lot, we have a lot of good people and good, uh, stories that come out that that just aren't publicized the way that the crime is. Listen, you could have stayed home and gone to my alma mater, Temple. In fact, Coach Cheney, God rest his soul, he was in the mix there for a while, wasn't he? Yeah. So this is this is the funny thing. Like I, I really thought I was going to go to Temple. Uh, I really thought Temple was the school for me. Um, and God rest. Coach Cheney, got got arrested there. He would show up to pretty much all my events and sit way in the back with a straw hat on, glasses on, and like it was it was his disguise, but everybody knew it was Coach Cheney. So I just thought it was comical that he continued to do that. And he just didn't show me like I, I didn't feel comfortable like with the conversations he and I had. And it was mm. more like, hey, we want you to come here and possibly red shirt or sit for a year and watch. And for me, it was like, at the time, I was like, the, I, I wasn't thinking about the NBA. I was just thinking about playing basketball and going to school. And I wanted to play right away. So it made it easy because um, UMass was in the mix, too. Why did he want a, you to sit? Why did he want you to sit, Jameer? Well, he told me, like, who one of my one of my good friends is Lynn Greer. Okay. Yeah, Lynn was there. He said, and 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 honestly, like, if, if I go – play on the team that Lynn is playing on, he's older, I probably will sit. I mean, Lynn was a phenomenal player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a guy I looked up to from Chester Biddy League. I mean, a lot of people don't know that uh, my family, most of my family is from North Philly, and my family and Lynn family grew up together. Like, my 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 uncles and my dad and his dad and his family members, they literally lived around a corner from my mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting back to the script, I, I just wanted to play, and Coach Martelli, like, look, you have an opportunity to start. Uh, we're going to put the ball in your hands. And I, I, I think the kid that was there, he ended up transferring because he heard all the comments about me coming in and starting. So it just made it easy. Uh, I, 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 I'm going to assume coach meant his word about me coming in and playing right away and starting. Um, but when when the kid transferred, it just I was the only <laughs> I was the only point guard left. So I had to start. So here you are, you're leading St. Joe's to a top ranking. You're making yourself into a first round pick. Now, I know towards the end there, you did shave off some classes so you can concentrate on basketball. Still, through it all, you managed to be a father as well. How did you manage that? Well, my my, my girlfriend at the time and now my wife, um, she deserves all the credit for that. I mean, she she was still... Um, she, she basically was in college or high school going through college. Um, and she managed all that, you know, my, my in-laws, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, um, my parents, like I said, the support was like, it was, um, it, it was, 
I can I can't even put into words how much support I had and, and we had as a as a young couple um, with a kid. She she managed all of that. She allowed me to be me as a basketball player. She allowed me to work um, and it continued throughout my entire um, NBA career. She knew my my workout schedule was kind of rigorous where it comes like I'm literally five, six, seven hours a day in the gym um, at multiple doing multiple things, um, taking breaks, taking naps. And, you know, we would have family time on the weekends and, you know, family times after workout. So I, I give her like, it's, you know, obviously people think things like this is cliche, but like if, if it's not for her, my wife Imani, I'm not sure uh, I have the success or I'm allowed to have the success that I've had. Um, you know, we obviously, you know, now, like you said, have four kids, um, my son and, and three girls, and she's still doing a great job. I mean, me working right now, traveling, doing things. And, uh, you know, it, at times she, I'm sure gets frustrated with me, but she understands, uh, my goals and she allows me to try to reach them too. Well, we have a lot to talk about you and me. Uh, I, I will want to touch on the long, sad story of your St. Joe's teammate, Delonte West, uh, how mm-hmm. you dealt with losing your father, uh, your view of the Sixers now, some of your duties as the GM of the Delaware Bluecoats, their G League affiliate. But we have reached halftime and there are a couple of features to halftime. The first is our six pack. So here's what I'm going to do. I am going to name two things and you have to choose one of those two things, and I'm going to give you six pairs in all. So, uh, and you got to choose quick. Yeah, there's, there, this is not a, for you to think about. This is you just to react. Are okay. you ready? I'm ready. So, you ever get to a game and your view is nothing close to what you thought it would be? Listen, I get to buy seats now too, no freebies. So I'm teaming up with Game Time. They have got killer last minute deals, flash deals. You could check out views from all seats in the venue, and they've got your back with the lowest price guarantee. Listen, if you find tickets for less in the same section and row, Game Time credits you 110% of the difference. They show your total up front. No surprises at checkout. Buying tickets takes two seconds, a couple of taps, and you're done. Philly, let's change the game. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the app, create an account, use the code ZOO for $20 off your first purchase. Remember, terms apply. Redeem the code ZOO, Z-O-O, for your $20 discount at GameTime.co. Philly cheesesteak or Philly soft pretzel? Cheesesteak. Center City or South Jersey? Center City. Gritty or Philly Fanatic? Fanatic. Meek Miller Hall and Oats. Meek Mill. <laughs> Dr. J or Allen Iverson throwback jersey. Ooh. Come on. Quick. Allen Allen Iverson. There you go. Liberty Bell or Rock. I have I have the right here. I have the uh, Dr. J throwback jersey hanging up. Okay. All right. So we'll give you a half and half for that one. Yep. Uh, Liberty Bell or Rocky Steps? Rocky Steps. Okay. I am going to go through my music library. I've pulled out a handful of artists. And you tell me if you have them in your music library. Are you ready? Yep. Coldplay. Nope. Snoop. Yes. Miles Davis. Yes. Black Eyed Peas. A little bit. You too. And now. 
Who was your go-to typically before an NBA game? So a lot of guys listen to music. I never really got into listening to music before games. Um, I was more of a free spirit. I was loose. I kept the locker room loose, uh, laughing and joking. Um, some can say I was silly or the team or the class clown, um, <laughs> but I do it behind. I did it behind closed doors and nobody actually knew, um, could figure out my personality as much as my teammates could. Um, but one of my, one of my favorite Philly groups, I should say, um, is the roots. Um, one of my, one of my, one of my good friends, Kamal Gray, um, is on keyboard for him. And, uh, I've known Kamal for years and, and, even before knowing him, he that was one of my favorite groups. I mean, Black Thought is probably, um, I don't know, I, I, I hate ranking people or, or, you know, figures. He is, he is he, Black Thought is one of my top three uh, favorite artists to listen to. Jamiria played 14 years in the league, mostly with Orlando. The Magic in 2009, what a year for you. A crazy year. I mean, you're an all-star. You miss a ton of games. Because of that, the Magic trade for Rafer Alston. They eventually get to the finals without you. Then mm -hmm. you come back for the finals, and you go to every player and coach and ask them if you should come back to play. And you didn't get any no's. No. Why did you? Why did you even? Why did you even do that? Um. Well, one, one, I'm a competitor, and I, I felt physically, mentally ready to play. Two, if if they felt I was going to disrupt um, any chemistry the team had, if one person would have said they didn't want me to play, I wouldn't have played. Um, and that one person said it. So I, I ended up playing and, you know, people can say I messed up the chemistry or I didn't or whatever. Um, I'm comfortable still to this day with my decision. Um, I, I live, especially my basketball life with no regrets. Like I, I gave everything I could to the game as a player. Um, even even when my agent, Steve Mountain, was trying to get me to play another year, one of my buddies, they kind of teamed up on me to get me to play another year. I just didn't have it in me anymore. Um, and it was it was more because um, I was mentally drained and, and, and I needed to be around, and my kids needed me to be around more. Uh, along with my wife. So I, I, I decided not to play anymore. But going back to it, I, I decided to play. We, we thought it was a good idea as, a, as an organization. Um, and, you know, we, we obviously didn't accomplish the goal. And, and I know and I knew going into it, um, if it didn't work out, it would be on my shoulders. But um, I'm look, I'm, I'm a mentally strong person. Um, if, if I wasn't, I wouldn't have lasted. Uh, 14 years, I wouldn't have gotten through that situation um, and continued to play. You were a free agent a couple of times in the 2010s. Any thought about signing with the Sixers? Now, I know that during some of those times, they were in the midst of the process years. It might not have been the right situation for yeah. you, but any thoughts of coming home and playing? Just my la after my last year in Denver, I, I you know, like, like, like I just said, I, I talked about coming here to play, trying to help, um, Still had some left in the tank, but Philly was the Philly was the only team I would have played for that year. Um, it was some other teams inquiring, I, you know, and I was working out pretty pretty regularly. I mean, up until like I would say Christmas time, and then that's when I was like, 
I, even even during those times working out, I, I wasn't as into it as I was. And I always said, if I if I'm not into the workout, if I'm if I'm not into the work, I, I shouldn't be playing. So that's when I like started questioning. That's the only time I actually started questioning myself uh, whether I wanted to play or not. How much input do you have as a G League general manager with the day-to-day operations of the Sixers, or are you purely Delaware Blue Coats? So they call you in every once in a while on the periphery for some input. Um, I, I for the last two years I've been, um, you know, close close to Elton and Daryl um, in the meetings and um, giving my suggestions or. You know, they'll ask my question, ask me questions. And um, I do have some input in certain aspects of the organization. Um, obviously, for these guys to believe in me as the as the GM of the Blue Coats, who is obviously the minor league team, um, it tells you that they have confidence in me and, and they see um, that if one day I can manage a big club. And, and that's that's the goal. And I think they're helping me get to that point. Um it's just step by step, and you know, it's, it's. I don't. I don't like to rush any process. Um, so the opportunity that that is in, in front of me right now is is a huge one. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm in the meetings. I'm I'm in the room. I'm allowed to voice my opinion. I'm allowed to uh, help the group think. Um, I'm also obviously in, in the scouting group, so I do a lot of the college scouting and. Um, you know, I help with that group as well. So it's just, it's, you know, I got my hands in some things that one, I never thought I would be involved in. I thought I would be a coach. Hmm. Um, and two, um, it's unique because of the, the, uh, the trust that these guys have in me, um, allowing me to do things, whether it's a, a G league trade or, um, recruiting another player to come in, um, that, that's a free agent. Like, so it, it's, it's fun. It's fun. I'm, you know, day to day dealing with agents, day to day dealing with the players, the coaching staff. And and yes, I do have to report back to um, the executive group. Um, basically, after every game, uh, I, I give a little report and have my, my thoughts. I do the same for the coach. So um, people may think that's micromanaging, but I'm not. I'm just like staying on top of my job. You know, it's the difference. <laughs> Like I, I, you know, I make I make a suggestion to the coach, and you know, it's his job to either figure it out or do what he think is best. Um, you, you know, it's more of a collaborative approach than it is a dictatorship for me. So you're in the room with Daryl Morey and Elton Brand, and I know the room is closed off. You want your privacy. <laughs> you don't want anything getting out. But the NBA trade day deadline is February eighth. A lot of Sixer fans are begging for any sliver of insight you can give them into what Daryl Morey may be thinking? Um, I mean, the, the main thing is for us to win a championship. I mean, that's, that's the goal. Um, so I, right. I think, but, but what do they need to do between now and February 8th to try to ensure that? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that, that is, that is a behind closed door conversation. <laughs> okay. That's fine. Goals. Um, but I know our goal, like we, we have a championship caliber team and organization. So, um, and obviously with coach nurse, um, he, he's doing some really good things with the, with the crew. Um, so just obviously giving him, um, what he needs to be or put us in position to, to win a championship. 
All right. I'm going to ask you to go deep here on a couple of things. First of all, at St. Joe's, you played uh, with a couple of really good guys. John Bryan, Dwayne Jones, both became NBA assistant coaches. Both have helped me throughout the years. And you also play with Delonte West. And uh, unfortunately, uh, his trials and tribulations have been well documented. Uh, mental health issues. He was homeless. Mark Cuban, among others, tried to help. You and Coach Martelli have also tried to help. Uh, what's the latest with Delonte? Um. It, the, the the one thing, Mark, is like, and I keep saying it, like mental health is real. Excuse me. I, and I um, personally dealt with it when my father passed. Didn't know I was dealing with it, um, but seeked help. And, you know, I had the, the luxury of Stan Van Gundy and Otis Smith, who pushed me towards my um, then um, sports psychologist and now friend. Um and it just helped me out tremendously understand and put things in perspective and give me an outlet. And, and Delonte is unfortunately dealing with mental health and, and has yet to get it under control. Um, you know, there's a lot of people in the world who are extremely concerned with his mental health. Um, but I think the one thing we have to realize is like when, when somebody's dealing with um, an issue, whether it's mental health, drug or anything, um, that is, you know, basically an addiction or some type of disorder, uh, the person has to realize it and the people around them have to help um, provide the, the right resources for that person. So um, at some point we, I, I think he, I think he, and I hope he snaps out of it. Um, I haven't, I haven't been in touch with him um, in quite some bit, quite, quite a bit. Um, but I, I think, I get reports and I, and I hear things and, and, and I try to not look at what I see on social media um, because we all, we all on it. Like, let's be honest um, to a certain extent. I just wish that people stopped putting videos out there and, and doing things that could hurt his kids and his family. Um, that, that is like one of the main things that, you know, people can take shots at me or take shots at whomever they feel like they need to take shots at because of, the help or lack of help or whatever they assume because they don't know the truth. Um, but it's, it's, to me, it's ignorant to put a person on social media who needs help. Um, and you don't even realize or know what help they've been given or provided or the opportunity resources that's been given to them. So, um, I don't speak on it at all on social media, but I'm sure this will hit social media. Um, I can care less what people think about what I do or don't do. Um, I think they should look in the mirror. The people should look in the mirror and, and realize what harm they're actually causing by um, putting these videos and comments up and allowing them to service um, throughout social media. You mentioned your father and you also mentioned the support you got from Stan Van Gundy, Otis Smith, the coach and GM respectively of Orlando when you played there. Uh, losing your father in a drowning accident. Speak to those who have had similar losses and what they can do to ease the pain and find some semblance of peace. Yeah. So just, just, you know, my father passed, um, season starts and I don't, I don't believe I ever grieved the way I should have. So I'm playing and I'm actually playing really well. And we go on a five game road trip. And I think we ended up in Phoenix. We, we go four out of five and you know how hard that is on a West coast trip. Um, we went four out of the five. And after the game, had a great game. And I just bust out in tears, start crying, have no idea why, what's going on. And my teammates are around me, just hugging me, holding me. 
And I wasn't diagnosed with anything, but I'm assuming I had some type of depression. Um, Cause I was actually drinking more than I probably should have been during that year. I probably was, um, you know, me, being alone, it, it like, I, I didn't want to be alone. Um, so I had uh, my brother traveling with me and, and one of my close friends at the time traveling with me um, just to kind of coddle me. And what Stan did was actually the best thing that could have done, could have happened for me. Um, he said to me, he sat down, he said, do you, do you want to play? I was like, no, I don't want to play anymore. And I didn't know if that meant I didn't want to play anymore uh, the next couple games year or what and he's like okay i'll just you know I, i'll just give you some dmps and what otis did was like look we're going to find you a sports psychologist so we find the the sports psychologist that i use um who was who was um a huge huge uh golf sports psychologist his name is geo and i met with geo once a week for months actually for years, we, we would meet all the time and going back to Stan, I'm getting DMP, DMP, but he's like, I need you to be around the team. You're the leader. I need you involved. So I'm literally like, I don't know how many games it took seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. I'm just on the ground. Like, like this is when you can lay on the ground, watch the game with the uniform on and all that stuff. And my teammates never looked at me different. Coaching staff never looked at me different. Um, organization never looked at me different. I think that's the one fear that people have when they, when they seek help, when it comes to mental health or like um, seeing a doctor for something, especially athletes. Cause we look at it as like a chink in our armor. Like, it's like, Oh, we're not, you know, it's like, no, we are human. But I remember we're playing the bulls and Stan just looked at me. I'm on the ground. He was like, you ready? And I was like, yeah, put me in the game. And in a short span, it was like, uh man, it was like I, I was shot out of cannon, right? And credit to my sports psychologist, all the things he said to me happened. I don't know if it's psychological. I don't know how it happened. He was like, on this day, in two months, you'll feel this way. On this day, and he just kept, and it just put into my head some stuff that allowed me to get past um, the, the the death of my father. So now you're a father, you're married, father times four, you have a boy and three girls. Your son, Jameer Nelson Jr., uh, was dropping 20 a game last year at Delaware. Uh, he's now at TCU. He's a fifth-year senior. How's he making out, and does he want to play professionally? Uh, I'll go backwards. Yes, he wants to play professionally, um, and he's doing well. I think I'm not all into the rankings. I think they're in the top 25 this week. Um after beating number nine, Oklahoma, and I think Houston, which was a top five team last week, and had a controversial loss versus Kansas last weekend. You go back and watch that. Um, you know, I can say it because I'm not a coach. I think um, that th I think the last minute of that game could have gone a lot different if um, if that game wasn't in Allen Fieldhouse. <laughs> Uh, but no, he's doing really well. I'm actually proud. I'm extremely proud of him um, for who he is as a person. Um, you know, he's he's caring and likable and, and he's more than what I expected or more than what people know of him as a basketball player. Like his 
like I said, his personality, like, man, like everybody loves this dude. Everybody gets along with him. He is like one of the nicest people in the world. And um, again, that's a testament to my wife because I'm not that nice. Um, <laughs> I would beg to differ, but go ahead. <laughs> she, she has done a re- my wife has done a really good job with all the kids. Um, and she she um, she will continue to do it. That's just who she is as a as a as a mom and and as a wife. Do any of the girls play? So my oldest daughter is at the University of uh, South Florida uh, playing softball. She's a softball player. She's a freshman. Um, and my other younger daughters are softball players as well. My my 15-year-old Jaden, who um, she's being pretty heavily recruited for softball and thinks she can start talking or schools can contact her September 1st of, 20, of this year, actually. Um, and my youngest daughter, Jace, um, she's 11. Like she, she's good because she's athletic. Um, she just needs to figure out how and what she wants to do. And I think we'll, we'll, I I never put pressure on my kids to do one thing. It's like, once you pick a, once you pick a lane, then I'll put the effort in with you. You ever sit there, Jameer, and maybe, um, I don't know, a moment with your wife and I don't know, you're on a beach somewhere or what have you. And you take a deep breath and say, you know, my first 41 years have been good. I know you got a birthday coming up. Uh, uh, what do you do when you sit there and you, you take that rare opportunity to smell the flowers? It's, 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 it's different, man. Like growing up in Chester, um, and now being able to, um, I, I guess reap the benefits of what, or who Chester made me, and who St. Joe's made me in Orlando and so on and so forth. Um, I'm benefiting from all of that, all of my past. And and just I'm riding a wave, man. Like I, I and and it's at times it's it's up and down, but it's more up just because I, I think my my mindset is open minded and and I understand and and I and I got this from Larry Arbery, who like I said was one of my um coaches in high school. Like it is what it is. It is what it is, and, and it's going to be what it's going to be. Like so, you 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 pivot the way you need to, and everything is not in your control. But um, the one thing I've always said and will do is I'll control being a nice person. I'll control being. I won't always wanted to be the best teammate, and even even working in the front office, I, I just want to be the best teammate. Chester made and proud of it. Jameer Nelson, thanks so much for being with us. So great to have you with the Sixers organization. Be well, my friend. Thanks, Mark. Check out our friends over at Philadelphia Sports Nation, a local Philadelphia sports site covering your favorite teams across blogs and social media. PHLSportsNation.com. Philadelphia Sports Nation. PHL Sports Nation. Enhancing your Philadelphia sports fan experience. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fresh 24. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts.